This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. Amen. How many just love to sin? Well, you must be born again people then. Amen. Sinners love to sin. Born again Christians love to live right. Amen. And tonight we're going to be talking about the Bible way to say no to sin and grow up spiritually. What's that again? The Bible way to say no to sin and grow up spiritually. Uh, I, I want to say it again. Sinners love to sin, but when you get born again, you got the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit in you always wants to live clean. I mean, He is going to be clean. But He always wants to prompt you to live clean, to live right, and to do right in the eyes of God. And, and, and born-again born Christians, when they do sin, they want to make it right. They want to change. Amen? So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. But uh, I want to show you a couple a couple things that will help you. we got these, I call them never again cards. I showed some Sunday, and I'm going to show them again. When I got born again back in January 29, 1980, in uh, September of that year, I started going to a church like ours called a Word of Faith Church. And my pastor had, had the cards like these out. And so over the years, I've, I've copied and copied and copied and copied for 39 years these cards because they're that good and they're free in the church back there. Robert's holding them up. If you don't have one of these, hold your hand up, Robert, stick one in your hand. But anyway, the things on this card, as you read them every day and read them out loud, they help get the Word of God in your heart and help change you. And so those are for free. And then the bookstore, and we have a good Christian bookstore in the back of the church back here. And we, just, we don't just have goofy religious books there back there. We just books just to sell money to help the church. But books that most of them I've read and studied over the years. And they've helped me grow and be the man of God that I am. They help you. And this one here is called The Real Faith. <clears throat> called The Real Faith. And I'd already pastored for a number of years when I first read this book several years ago. And this book really will help you to understand what Bible faith is. There's different kinds of faith. I mean, you know, uh, you've got faith that that chair you're sitting in will hold you up and gravity won't pull you down and hurt you or you wouldn't sit in the chair. That's having faith in the chair. You've got faith in your car. If you're going to take a trip down the road, your car's going to hold together, not, not, not blow up before you get there. That's, that's a natural faith. And every human being has a natural faith in something. But Bible faith is a faith from God's Word in your heart, in your mouth, that you live by, that will change circumstances, change things all around you, so you can enjoy the life God wants you to. That's a really good, simple book that will help you. And then I showed this one the other day called God's Creative Power. God's Creative Power. Well, as a truck driver for years, I carried a copy of this in my pocket all the time, and it's got Bible verses in it that you're able to read out loud and confess out loud, and Romans 10:17 says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So as you read the word of God out loud, it causes the words in your mouth, reading God's word, comes, goes back in your ears and down your spirit. It'll put faith in your heart. Those things will really help you. So anyway, make use of the bookstore. It'll change you forever and ever and ever. Now you might as well practice shouting now for your toe step. Let me give us a shout. Oh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And I want to give you this title again. The Bible way to say no to sin. And grow up spiritually. And you know, I know that a, a, a lot of Christians, 
over and over and over and over again, fall for the same dumb thing over and over and over and over, and never can really get free from it. But there's the Bible way to get free from things and be able to live how God wants you to live. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says this. Jesus said, in Beatitudes here, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so when you truly give your heart to Jesus, you won't want to do things you used to do that didn't please God. How many know, if you're like I was, for 28 and a half years, I was a sinner. I didn't know anything about pleasing God. You know, my life was hanging out in bars and uh, sexual things and different things that were the wrong side of marriage and doing things back then, lying, cheating. I had no conscience for God. It didn't bother me to lie to people. It didn't bother me to go into fits of rage and anger and and just stump around and et cetera, et cetera, cuss and carry on. And so anyway, uh, boozing, high on drugs, sex outside the marriage covenant, all those different things that people do that don't know God, when you truly get born again and you hunger and thirst after righteousness, and that, that's, a, that's the number one sign that you're born again. Because you don't crave to go out and party all night. You crave to go to church. Amen. And people tell you, hey, we're going to go do this, man. It's going to be a wild one tonight. All you think of is, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't live that way anymore. Why is that? Because your spirit has been changed by the Holy Spirit to want to please God. And you know, I was thinking the other day, it's a dumb thought, but it's kind of how it is. I remember, because I was raised in a, in a, in a boozing family, that I had, I had the first several times I got drunk on beer, I had to force myself to like it. Because my dad and mom always drank beer. My aunts and uncles drank beer. And so that's always before me. So when I got old enough, what did I want to do? I wanted to drink beer. So if I was going to be like dad, I had to like beer. It took me a while to make myself where I liked beer. And then I got where I really liked beer. And nothing but trouble in it. But then I got to thinking, after I got born again, I started liking the Word of God. I started getting hungry for the Word of God. I didn't like beer anymore. The, the, the even thought of drinking a beer just was despicable to me. I couldn't stand the thought of it. Or smoking a cigarette. Or things like that that I used to do because I began to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. And I, I want to say this just, just, a, just a thought. If that sounds goofy to you, you think, well, what's wrong with drinking beer? Well, maybe you need to get born again. Well, what's wrong with telling a little white lie? Well, the book of Revelation says all liars are have their place in the lake of fire. It didn't say all except the white lies. <laughs> Amen. And it talks about the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. And that's fits of anger and rage. And orgies. And wild parties. And things like that. That's the works of the flesh, not of God. And so, you know, right now, tonight... I'm not, I'm not preaching to sinners, unless you're somebody stopped born again, then you're hearing me. But I'm preaching to Christians. And I know that, uh, we've got a lot of young Christians in our church, we've got a lot of new Christians in our church, and we've got struggling Christians in our church, been born again for a while, but they keep fighting the same things over and over and over again. 
But God wants to help you to be able to say no to sin. Amen. And said yes to righteousness, which is to please God and to live right. And that's what he wants you to be able to do. And uh, to do that, there's certain Bible things you need to do. But anyway, when, when, when you become a born-again Christian, that doesn't say you'll never fall down again. That doesn't say the devil won't sucker punch you and pull you into something again that you wish you hadn't done. But the difference is, when a sinner does wrong, they'll probably get upset because they got caught. When a Christian does wrong, and nobody knows except them and God, I'm talking about a true Christian. If you're a Christian, and you're doing wrong, and nobody knows about it, you do. And you get so grieved in your heart, you hurt so bad in your heart, you actually want to cry out to God. And I know the way I've been all my Christian life, I do something wrong, man. I really get hurt on the inside because I know I hurt God. And you say, Lord, please help me. Lord, I want to change. I don't want to do this. Lord, look at my heart. You know I don't want to do this. I don't want to live this way. Lord, show me what to do. Show me how to do it. Give me the strength. Give me the grace. Lord, show me. Get some book in my hand that will teach me the Bible on this subject. How to get free from this, Lord. Have my pastor preach a sermon, Lord. Have somebody show me what to do for the Bible, how to get free of this. And I'm talking about true Christians. When you're a true Christian, you don't just brush it off and keep on going like a sinner does. You really get hurt about it. You want to change. If you have to, if you have to, if you've got a really good Christian friend you can trust that just doesn't want to go around uh, trying to gossip about you, you need to have a Christian friend you can talk to. Somebody that's not a blabbermouth, but somebody that knows how to talk to God. And say, man, I'd really like to talk to you about this. I am struggling. I'm having a really bad time. And you got to be careful who you talk to about things. You don't need to talk to any gossips. But say, would you please be praying for me? I know it's hindered my walk with God. It's hindered my relationship with my friends. And I know that God has so much more you used before. And just, just stand in the gap with me. And if God shows you anything, tell me. Amen. How many know that when you're a Christian and God shows somebody something about you, you don't get offended. You just say, I receive it. Amen. 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 And so Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I want you to go to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. And, you know, something that uh, I talk about quite a lot is that we're spirit being. We have a soul which consists for mind, will, and emotions. We live in a physical body. Until you get the revelation of the real you, the spirit man, you're really going to have a hard time getting victory over things of the flesh. You know, your body wants to do things, eat things, etc., etc., that your spirit man says, no, 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 no. And so your spirit, your spirit is the one that's hungry. Your spirit is the one that wants more of God. And you have to take authority and tell your head, your mind's part of your soul, say, no, 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 we don't crave that anymore. We don't want to do that anymore. And tell your body, body, shut up. We're not going there. You know, the book of Proverbs, it says that your foot will take you to evil. And so where, 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 where your flesh craves and those signals go to your feet, your feet are going to carry you there. As you have to tell your body, body, we don't do that anymore. Amen. And so First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, 
says this, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk or the pure milk of the word, why? That you may grow thereby. That you may grow thereby. And as I thought about this verse today, and the milk of the word, that's where God starts it all off all at. Nothing really deep, but just simple things. The only way to grow up spiritually and have the strength to say no to sin and wrongdoing is to sit under the word so your pastor and other mature believers can bottle feed you until you get old enough to begin feeding yourself. Think about babies. Do babies slide up to the table and start eating a hamburger and french fries? No. Babies don't, babies don't even eat salad. Babies don't take a bite of an egg. All babies do, I mean, you know, if they're, if they're nursing with their mother, that's one way they get the nourishment. But most, most, most people bottle feed their babies. And so you think about a baby, if you don't bottle feed the baby, the baby won't grow. And so if baby Christians or new Christians don't come into the church so they can be bottle fed like in a service like this to where the pastor has the bottle out right now, spiritually, and there's milk of the word coming into you. You know, you think about, think about the verses I'm sharing. Hunger, thirst after righteousness. Well, when you're a new Christian, that's milk to you. You're thinking, wow, I never heard that phrase before. I never heard that verse before. Well, that's because it's brand new and that's milk coming into your spirit. But in your spirit on the inside of you, you're thinking, that feels good. Well, that's the other way the baby drinking that milk said, that tastes good, mommy. I want some more. Give me some more milk. Give me some more bottle. And that's what begins to happen like anything else in life. You develop a taste for it. Like what I had as a sinner had to make myself like that taste of beer. As a Christian, the more you come in, you taste the smell of the word. You like it. And what are you doing? You're hungering. You're thirsting after learning how to live right for God. When you're a new Christian, your heart says, I want to live right. But then you think, how can I live right? Well, you come into a church like this. And the pastor feeds you the milk of the word. And then other Christians you hang out with. You have little conversations at the door. Walk around shaking hands, giving people a hug. And just the conversations you have where they share things about God in a 30-second conversation, that's feeding you some more. Put some more milk in you, getting you stronger and stronger. It says that we're supposed to hug and thirst like babies. Like babies. And I remember... You know, I've, I've had part, part of six children and uh, been on all the births with them. And I remember the doctors basically all the time the same thing. When a newborn baby's born, I guess they still don't know, but they'd stick their thumb in the baby's mouth, see the baby start sucking. And I remember the first time I asked one of the doctors about this, I said, how come you did that? And said that tells if they got any mental problem. Said if a baby's retarded, said they won't suck like that. You have to work with them, teach them reflective action how to make things work. And so that's one thing that you help judge a baby Christian on. How come they're not wanting the milk of the word? We need to give them some extra help. We need to work with them. We need to teach them the value of the word. I want to say that again. Christians, if they don't get it, you need to start teaching them the value of the word. It's not just coming to church. It's not just listening to some sermon on a podcast. It's Christians actually learning the value of doing what I suggested a while ago, get something like Never Again cards, three by five cards, writing verses on them, reading the Bible, getting your own Bible out, 
and not quantity of having some big ferocious Bible study where you read 15 chapters a day. You leave, you leave just all messed up thinking, man, that was rough. I don't like Bible. That's just too confusing. But real Bible study is when you learn a verse at a time or two or three verses at a time and not just verses about the begats and the begots, the begats and the begots and thus, the thus and the thous. But when you learn verse, verse of the Bible, like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. James 4.7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Start learning specific Bible verses that you can apply to your everyday life when you're facing challenges, and that's when you're growing off that milk. And there'll come a point in time when God start giving you some solid food then because he can see you're developing. Amen. Is that helping anybody? Amen. And so any, anyway, uh, you need, you need to, you need to desire, desire the milk of the word so you can start growing. And I like in Bible school what a, what one of my Bible school teachers said years ago, milk is not just for babies. I had milk with my lunch today. I feed on simple scriptures every day. And so you don't just go from milk to solid meat and never drink milk again. That needs to be a part of your diet. You need to keep on reading the simple verses you first learned. You need to be eating on other things and growing, but never get away from the basics. The basics is what gives you vitamins and nutrition in your spirit that will help you be a strong believer and be able to stand the storms of life. Amen, amen, amen. And so anyway, I, I want to teach you the Bible way to feed yourself the Word of God now. The Bible way to feed yourself. And I want to go to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. is so basic and so simple. But at the same time, I think about how the Bible teaches on spiritual growth is so similar Similar to physical growth. You know, I heard, I heard Mrs. Pastor today talking to Annie about her little son Michael and talking about Michael's, uh, wanting, wanting to start to walk now, but he's afraid to. And then Mrs. Pastor told Annie, said, Annie, you didn't walk after you was a year old. Said you could, but you wouldn't. Said you get a, you get a hold of stuff, you hold on to everything, you try to get you let loose. You wouldn't let loose. You just would, would always be holding on to something. And so, is spiritual growth, you know, you think, think about your, your little children. Some of you still have babies, get ready to have babies and little ones like that. Think about your babies, how it was when they first started getting up to the crawling. Remember, remember how great it was the first time they rolled over by themselves, made a, wow, man, you took pictures in modern times, man, you put your cell phone, took little cell videos, put them on Facebook, probably like that, that, that he rolled over. She rolled over. The first time she rolled over by herself. And then the next day, you know, up, crawled around a little bit, said, wow, she can't crawl yet, but she's kind of holding on stuff and dragging. And then all of a sudden the little knees get up and they've kind of got some little stuff going. And then the day, the day they finally got the little wobbly chubby legs up. And you were so nervous that, what do I do? I want to learn to walk, but if they go to fall, I want to catch them. But if I'm always there to catch them, they'll never try to walk. What am I going to do? You guys ever been there? You don't know quite what to do, but you coach them and you encourage them to begin taking those little steps. And then sometimes they do fall down and get hurt a little bit. You're right there. I know you got something soft around to make sure it doesn't hurt too bad. But you know if they don't step out on their own and fall, 
They're never going to learn how to do it right. And you last kind of like it is with baby Christians. That's why you need to be in a church with other Christians around that show you the Word of God, what to do, but also encourage you to step out on it yourself and take a chance that God's going to catch you. Take a chance He's going to be right there. And then if you fall down, the devil wants you to beat yourself up real bad if you make a mistake while you're trying to please God, but have other Christians there to kiss that boo-boo. Hey, man, I pray for you and help you up. And so we want to teach you the steps you do to grow up spiritually and begin to be able to step out of the Word of God. And verse 1 of Psalms 1 is a very necessary first step to getting free from the pole of sin. I want to say that again. This is a very necessary first step to get free from that pole of sin that controls people all around you. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's talking about walking, standing, sitting. But I want you to notice something here that uh, a casual reader wouldn't catch. It said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He must not be taught by sinners, because in the next verse says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. So there must be a difference. Well, an ungodly person is a non-word person. In other words, it could be a preacher that has a sign on their door that says marriage counselor. Or financial Christian counselor. Or something like that. But if their counsel does not come from the word of God, that is ungodly counsel. Because God's counsel is always word counsel. And so if you're hanging around Christians, could be Christians you go to church with, could be Christians that go to other churches you work with and hang out with, but if they're telling you things that are not in line with the Word of God, and you're following advice that doesn't line up with God's Word, then you're walking after the counsel of the ungodly. They may be Christian people, but godly counsel is always from God's Word, with God's Word back in it. You know, today in today's society... And the times we live in, Jesus warned us about it. Paul warned us about it. Lots of the New Testament writers warned us about the end times, how people talk about Christians going to depart from the faith. And all the different things that are going to believe lies and follow lies and all things going on. There are so many, uh, quote, Christian preachers in the country today that are telling you so many things that are wrong to do, that it's okay to do. And uh, too many people follow them. And so, what he's saying here, if you want to live how God wants you to live, you got to guard who it is you're receiving your counsel from. Amen. Whether they call themselves Christians or not, if it does line up with the Word of God, then it's ungodly counsel. And then he says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Well, what that simply means is this. We, we hang out with sinners. I mean, that's the way it is. How are we going to witness when all around people don't know Jesus? You know, on your job, in your family, everywhere we go, there's people who don't know Jesus, and Christians are the one that have, supposed to have the witness, where they see how Christians live, see how Christians talk, they ought to want what we've got. But what he's saying here is this. You don't spend all of your downtime hanging out with people that are practicing sin. You know, if, I know when I was a truck driver, 
I was with people that probably 99% of them knew nothing about God all day long, everywhere I went. All kinds of people didn't know God. But when I got off, I didn't want to just go out and say, well, you know what? I think I want to go witness some sinners. I'm going to go down to the bar today. Or they're going to have a, they're going to have a Super Bowl party, man, all the booze and all the stuff, man, talk about a, a place for sinners, but I can't wait to get to that party about those sinners. That's what he's talking about. You're with them all day long, et cetera, et cetera, unless God gives you a special, uh, calling to go to certain wild things like that. You don't do it. If you get joy, if you get joy out of hanging around where there's rampant sin going on, there's something wrong. Amen. You know, I've told the story before. I'll tell it one more time real quick. Uh, only one time did God ever tell me to go to a tavern. Only one time. And I, I, I had drunken booze and brothers. They, one of them, they, they, they all the time called us. What? Hey, man, come on down here. Come on, do what you used to do. I said, I don't do what I used to do. I don't do it anymore. I go to church. I love Jesus. Anyway, my, my brother drunk one time called me and said, hey, man, come on down here to this place. And I told Mrs. Pastor, I said, wow. I said, God wants me to go down there. I went down there. I led two guys to the Lord in the tavern at the pool table while they were drinking beer. The next thing I heard about them several months later, one of them was pastor at a church down there, a little country church, and the other was his associate. A couple of old burgers been backslidden for years. God had me go in the tavern. I drank my Coke, hung out at the pool table, and preached Jesus in the tavern. They got saved. So out of 39 years of being a Christian, that's the one time in a tavern. But it was fruitful. Now I've got, I've got a younger brother. Well, matter of fact, I don't have him now. He's in heaven. <laughs> but, uh, he thought he, he got born again. He thought he'd go to the taverns and preach. He got born again, was on fire for Jesus, loving Jesus at my grandpa's funeral. Uh, as soon as grandpa got buried, uh, family did what the samples always did, man, went over to the bar. All of them except this one. But my brother, baby Christian, I warned him. I said, don't go, don't go, don't go. You're not strong enough. You can't do that. He went to the bar. He got drunk with him. And, uh, you know, the next day, calling me, crying, repentant, and so sorry. But he tried that as his lifestyle over the years, to hang out with the dopers, hang out with the boozers. And I preached his funeral, what, about ten years ago now? My younger brother. Why is that? He gave place to that lifestyle and those things got back on him, and he could never shake him again. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. It says, nor stands where it says, nor sits to see the scornful. Now listen to this. A scornful person is one that murmurs, complains, and whines about everything, but does nothing to change anything. How many know people that murmur, complain, and whine? No matter who the president is, no matter what ball team's playing, no matter what the boss tells you to do on the job, no matter who it is, there's always something wrong about the way they did it, but they never have an answer how to fix it. They criticize, judge, gripe about everything, but they don't do a thing to change anything. He says, don't hang around with scornful. He says, scorners, don't hang around with scornful people. And why is that? Who you hang out with will influence how you think. I want you to write a verse down. And I'm going to quote to you out of the NIV. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 and 34 in the NIV Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 
33 and 34 in the NIV. Now listen to this. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. How many know when you're born again, you got the character of Christ in your spirit? But you can be corrupted by who you hang out with. And then verse 34 says, come back to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. For there are some out there who are ignorant of God's ways. Do you know there's Christians that are ignorant of God's ways? And they will corrupt you? Amen. They'll corrupt you. And if you don't come back to your senses, go come point in time, you're going to pay a price for it. Amen. I, I, I like what I heard a, heard, heard a preacher say one time. I don't care if everybody is not doing it right. I am. I don't care if there's a thousand Christians say it's okay to commit this kind of sin. I'm not going to do it because the Bible says don't do it. I don't care who says you can do it. The Bible says don't. I'm not. If everybody's doing wrong, I don't have to. I can choose to do right. Amen? Amen. And so verse 2 is the Bible way to feed yourself. Number 1 is very necessary to get you set up for number 2. If you try if you try to violate number 1 as a regular ongoing habit, then verse 2 is not going to have much effect on your life. It says... You don't hang out with those kind of people, but your delight is in the law of the Lord. That means the Word of God. Your delight is not in the things of the world, but your delight is in the Word of God. And in His Word do you meditate day and night. In God's Word you meditate day and night. And another verse to write down is Joshua one eight. God told Joshua the same thing, to meditate in the Word day and night if you want to be a successful person. Now, this word meditate, you need to understand what it is, or it'll sound really tough and spooky spiritual, spooky uh, religious, but it's not meditate in the Word of God. My center column tells you that the Hebrew says, to meditate means to ponder by talking to yourself. To ponder by talking to yourself. And says the Hebrew denotes an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's Word. A re-speaking of God's Word. And so I know that uh, when I got born again, my pastor and Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, people that uh, I sat under, they taught me the value of meditating in the Word of God, of reading the Bible out loud. There's so much that takes place when you read the Bible out loud. I know that uh, I quote a lot of verses. And the reason I do, when I first got saved, the Lord, number one, He led me that way. But I noticed that a lot of Christians that were trying to help me would always quote me some verse. And I'd say, where's that at? Oh, I don't know the address. Well, how could it help me if I can't find it? And so I always, 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 when I learned a Bible verse... I would first of all quote John 3.16. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And then I could show it to other Christians. And then also, when witnessing to, to people and wanting to share things, Lord, with them. Like I said, I was so disappointed. Somebody told me the Bible says it. Sometimes I come to find out that what they said the Bible said 
Well, I got, when I grew enough to recognize there's another tool called a concordance. And then I'd get a concordance out and try to find some of the things they told me it said. I come to find out some religious saying they had. What did the Bible at all? I remember one time a guy told me, well, the, you know, the Bible says cleanliness and next to godliness. And I thought, well, I'm not going to find that one. Cleanliness next to godliness. That's some nice saying somebody got somewhere. It's not Bible. And then, and then I know one that really puzzled me after I become a pastor. I fell for this one for a long time till I went to preach on it one time, finding it wasn't in the Bible. I, I all the time heard preachers say, well, the Bible says he makes the way where there seems to be no way. And I thought, man, that's a good verse. But I never did take the time to find it myself. So then one time I wanted to preach on it. I got every concordance I had out. I got every kind of health Bible I could out. And the Bible says things close to that. And God does do that. But it's not a Bible verse you can show out of the Bible to show somebody. But he does make a way. But it's not the Bible. <laughs> Amen. There's things we've got to learn ourselves. And so anyway, if you're going to become a person that wants to grow up spiritually... Number one, you got to watch and guard who you hang out with. Amen. And can I tell you something else? If you won't let a person with a character like that physically walk through the door of your house, why do you pop that thing out and look at it on there? I don't want to let a sexual pervert come into my house. On the TV or any other way. Amen. How could a Christian ever, I've known some, but how could a Christian ever get hooked on law and order? What's that one called? The Special Sexual Victims Unit or something? I've known Christians, I've heard talk about that and seen them put on Facebook. I got the whole series. I thought, man, you got the whole series? Boy, you got, you got the series all right too then. That kind of stuff there. If you can't let that kind of people come into your house to influence your family, don't let them influence them on there either. Man, sometimes I feel like I'm going to get stoned. <laughs> sometimes Jesus said things and the Pharisees wanted to stone him over it. But that's the truth. you got to watch your out. Before you, before you can let God's Word begin to work on you, you have to, number one, guard who your friends are. And I want to say this one more time on that thing. I don't want to just keep hitting on that, but God wants you to get it. I'm not saying that we're so holy we can't hang around with people who don't go to church. How are we ever going to witness them if we don't hang out with them? But we see them enough all day long. We don't need to make that our nighttime pastime every night. I'm going down to the bar, going to the place where it's just boozing, cussing, fighting, carrying on rowdyism and all that kind of stuff there, man. If you enjoy that kind of stuff, you better make sure where your walk is with God. And so in meditating the word day and night, that means you read it. You find quiet places where you can actually read it out loud. And hear yourself say what the Word of God says. And, you know, diff- there's different things that I've learned, different tools that help me. Uh, never again cards. And then my pastor taught me to use three by five cards. And so I would write verses out. I'd carry them in my pocket. And then when I was sitting someplace, had, had time to make a live, I'd put a three by five card. And that's how I learned most of the scriptures I quote. I've got, I don't know, maybe thousands of three by five cards, stacks and stacks rubber bands on it from years and years ago because I would write them down and carry them. And the reason I did that is because I knew the only way I was going to grow and have strength to grow as a Christian and stay free from the things that were out there do what God wanted me to do was to learn His Word. So I did that and got that. And then another thing that I do today 
that I do pretty much every day. It's the same thing. I'll sit down as I'm having my private time with the Lord. First thing I do every day, I got a Brother Hagin devotional I look at. I, re- I read his, what Brother Hagin's got. And then I see what the High Desert Word Center thing. I mean, I'm going to put them on there, but I read them every day too and see what I had on there. And then I just kind of sit there quiet before the Lord and I'll think about different Bible verses that I've known over the years. And I'll go back and I'll read that again. Isaiah 54, 17. And then out loud I'll say, Lord, I want to thank you that no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment will be condemned. The Amplified Bible says it will be shown to be in the wrong by my righteous actions. No weapon formed against me will prosper. How many have somebody at least once every once in a while tell lies on you or say bad things about you? Well, when you begin to speak out of your mouth what God says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Guess what? That, take, that, 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 that takes the fear away that somebody's going to be able to get you in really bad, serious trouble for something you didn't do. Now, if you did it, <laughs> that's different. Then it's time to repent and ask for mercy. But the main thing is, I go through verses like that. When I'm, face, when I'm facing, facing a financial thing, I say, Lord, I want to thank you that Malachi chapter 3, and I go to Malachi chapter 3. Verse 10 says, When I bring my tithe to the storehouse, Lord, I'm living under open windows of heaven. You're poured out your blessing upon me, and I'm going to receive it. And you rebuke the devourer for my sake. I'm telling you how to grow up spiritually, how to grow strong. I put those verses in, but I still read them out loud. Because Jesus said in Mark 11:23, I'll have what I say. So as I read those out loud, I build my faith up. I put words out there in the spiritual arena too. That's going after things and changing things. Can you see this? Hey Amen. We're talking about how to stay free, to break free from the power of sin, and to grow as a Christian. So anyway, that's how you meditate the Word of God. You read it out loud, but the result we want is verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so this is the result. This is the result of being a, being a meditator of the word. You become a fruit-bearing Christian and you don't drive spiritually. One thing i got to point out there. Did you notice he said, breaketh forth his fruit in his season? We have an orchard full of uh, pistachio trees. Right now they have no fruit on them. They're all brown, no leaves, look like nothing. When we started looking at this place we just bought, they were all green and leafy and had nuts all over them. And so if you're in a season right now where you're thinking, what's happening? Where's it at? I'm bearing no fruit. Well, for the things that God wants to use you for right now, it's time just to chill, come to church, read the Bible, do the things you know to do, By faith, you do what you know to do, and then all of a sudden, your season breaks loose. Man, just like that ripe fruit, everything's that somebody said, but somebody's picking on me. Well, what do you do with ripe fruit? You pick on it. (laughs) You pick it. So if you're getting picked on, glory to God, that means you must have some ripe fruit. Amen. So I I just leave it at that. Don't worry about where you are. You meditate the word day and night. Stay hooked up. Stay plugged in. And if things aren't happening right now, 
Stay faithful. They'll break loose. Guard who you hang out with. Stick with the word in your heart and your mouth and it'll come to pass. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.